0: Well, good morning. It is uh, good to good to be together, and yeah, we've been, as Kevin mentioned, we've been preaching through the book of Genesis, which might not seem like a Christmas passage. Um, It's like, wow, that's the first book of the Bible. We should probably be in the New Testament or something. We've been seventy some weeks in the book of Genesis, and uh, today, as I was looking months ago about today. Tonight's service will be a very different passage. It'll be all the lights will be off in here and it'll be more of a candlelight type service. And for about three months now, I've been like, like really looking forward to tonight and what I feel like the Lord is leading us into tonight. And this morning, what's interesting is Joseph has been the main character in the book of Genesis now for many chapters, and Joseph was trafficked into human slavery by his brothers, because God said something to Joseph, and Joseph believed God. He shared it with his brothers, and his brothers had so much pride that they wanted to kill him, and, and that what God said to Joseph, they wanted God to say that to them instead, and so they wanted to kill him, but then they thought they could make a buck off of him instead, so they trafficked him into Egypt, and... As far as anybody knows and oh by the way they told their dad he died and showed proof that he died so these are many skeletons in the closet many things that that are not just the like really great photo op of a family Um, this is a very broken family and there is a drought which is causing famine and there are seven now nine years into a drought and or they're two years into a drought, there's been nine years of this plan that God has shared, and there's a real chance that their family is gonna to starve to death. And so, so all of these brothers have been going to Egypt trying to just buy food, just buy food, just coming to Egypt to buy food. And what they want is a transaction. And what God is actually wanting is a way bigger story for them and a deeper story for them. They want food. They want a transaction. And what they don't know is that the the top guy, the number two most powerful man in Egypt who has heard from God again and has orchestrated this whole a project bigger than the Manhattan Project of a whole country working together for one purpose, they have... They have been able to store up so much grain, and the guy who's running the whole project is their brother, who they sold into slavery 20 plus years ago. And they don't know it's their brother because he looks like an Egyptian. He speaks Egyptian. He doesn't look like the guy that they knew as a teenager. And they keep wanting a transaction, and God keeps wanting transformation of their family. They are just like, hey, can we just exchange gifts here? (laughs) Can can we just exchange gifts, not really get into each other's stories? If we open all the skeletons to the closet, it's not going to be a nice, happy Christmas. Let's just exchange gifts. And that's kind of the the type of relationship that these brothers are wanting to have with with Joseph, who they don't even know is a brother. Joseph knows who they are, and this is kind of all just giving us a little bit of context for this morning. Joseph knows who they are, and Joseph, being led by God, is actually wanting to bring peace to their family and bring deep peace to their family. And so Joseph has been testing them. And the last chapter, what Joseph said is, hey, this youngest brother whom your dad loves more than any of the rest of us, this youngest brother, I'm going to keep him in prison and the rest of you can go. Keep him in a jail. And uh, without going into all of that chapter, Judah The fourth oldest brother of the 12 brothers says, no, take me instead. Um, Let me pay the penalty. Let let me be in jail for the rest of my life instead. And Joseph actually starts seeing his brothers act in the way that God would actually want them to act, and Joseph can't contain it anymore of of what is happening in his family. So these brothers are still just kind of like, can we just get some food and go home? And, and I'm just mindful, like, that might be your posture a little bit. It would be like, hey, whoever this guy is that's preaching right now, could he just really keep it really short? Because I've got plans, and I want to get home. And let's just do a quick transaction. And, um, and with Joseph, God was wanting to actually actually change for the best this family. And I feel like even this morning, like God is, like we've all got presence or things in our minds, like a lot of things that, that we've been logistically planning. And what if God has been planning more than you <laughs> for even this moment right now and even this time right now? And so we're going to walk into his word, let his word speak to us. And so we're in Genesis chapter 45, verse 1 says, then Joseph could not control himself before all those who stood by him. He cried, make everyone go out for me. Second most powerful person in the world. So when he speaks, like secret service are acting, like all the security people are pressing everybody out of his throne room. So no one stayed with him when Joseph made himself known to his brothers. He's, it's just him and his brothers. He's, he's kicked everybody out of the room. And then look at verse two. And he wept aloud. This guy is grizzled. Like he, he potentially, he spent years and years and years as a slave. Years and years and years in prison. And he weeps out loud so that the Egyptians heard it, people outside the door. And the household of Pharaoh heard it. People outside of the building hear him crying so loud verse 3 and joseph said to his brothers i am joseph is my father still alive but his brothers could not answer him i just pictured them being like uh 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 uh, uh, uh you know, just pure shock his brothers could not answer him for they were dismayed at his presence Thinking about Joseph's history, thinking about, like, why did the brothers not respond? Were they like, oh, this is our last day on earth. This powerful man is now the one who could actually destroy us. We sought to destroy him. The ball is in his court. He will now destroy us. Um, Fascinatingly, he tells them, I'm Joseph. And then look, he's like, the first thing he wants to know is how is dad It's been over 20 years, that, and he knows that they were just potentially with dad if he's still alive. Like, that's the first thing he wants to know is, how is dad? The brothers can't speak. They're in shock. They're blown away that Joseph is staying right. Maybe they don't believe him is also an option. It's like, you don't have a beard. (laughs) The Egyptians were, were, um, like, they would encourage me to shave. Like, all the things we know about Egyptians is they shaved everything, eyebrows, everything, um, and so, so to see these, these ag guys, these farmers um, with their flocks, you know, they probably do have big beards and big eyebrows and big hair and all that stuff, and Joseph does not look that way in the throne room. And so maybe they're not even sure if it really is him. Is this, is, if this is my brother, this is the guy that we've been telling, us, telling him that we're honest men. <laughs> we've been saying things to him that now he would know that we've been lying if he's really our brother, They can't speak. Look at verse four. Joseph takes the lead again. So Joseph said to his brothers, come near to me, please. And they came near. And he said, I am your brother Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. Verse five. And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. Uh, What Joseph says to his brothers is just fascinating. Um, Overlaying it with the Christmas story, it's like, oh, these things line up. Um, But he's come close to me. I'm your brother. And one of the things that I was just thinking about, like TV shows and stuff where like, like, you know, someone goes to, like, rescue a person, and it's like, hey, when you go to rescue them, you got to make sure it's really them and not somebody else. And it's like, say something to them that only they would know. Or, that, or say something to them that only the two of you would know as kind of like proof that we're dealing with the, the, the right people here. And so, so it's amazing that he says, I am your brother Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt, that's a family secret that the dad doesn't even know about. That's a family secret that even the people that that were the traffickers wouldn't have known, like, the family relationships potentially and stuff. Like, they were just giving a, a person money for another person, um, and a 16-year-old at that time. And so here, what's amazing is, like, only Joseph would know that... These guys sold Joseph into slavery. And so it is kind of his ID that I know I don't look like him. Uh, He probably was speaking Egyptian. Then when he drove everybody out of the room, probably switched to Hebrew. And he is speaking their mother tongue now with each other. But he is letting them know, like, you sold me into slavery. But look what he says after that. Do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. So he's using the you sold me into slavery as ID, as a, hey, let's, let's get real with each other and speak the same thing. This is what happened. And we all of us are in on it. All of us know what happened. And he says, do not be distressed or angry with yourselves. Hey, don't beat yourself up about that reality. Don't, don't feel the shame. So many of the skeletons in our closets, like, These have been skeletons in these guys' closets for 20 years. That, like, we don't even know if our brother's alive. And why did we do that? That was so dumb. Like, why were we so prideful? Why were we so selfish? And and he's like, Hey, I'm letting you know who I am, but I don't want you to feel distressed. I don't want you to feel angry with yourselves because you sold me here. And this is the guy talking who received all of this misfortune and who has not been with his mom or his dad, his mom's passed away, hasn't been with his dad now for 20 years, he could be full of rage, revenge, and he's saying, what I want you guys to know right now is don't be angry at yourself because God has been at work. God sent me before you to preserve life. And this is, um, for Joseph, like, if we look at our story, our story can feel so big. And if Joseph just looks at his life, it can feel so huge. But what I love is when God is really big, our story can, can have its, its rightful size. And Joseph is not consumed with his years in the pit. He is like, when I, when I look back and when I kind of zoom out and see this huge God working, like, God has been orchestrating these things for you to be alive, for your family not to starve to death during this famine. Like, God positioned me here, and, and he's, like, this is what he's wanting them to know, and this is the story of Christmas. This is our situation. If you're like, that's a messed up family, mine's messed up, but not like that. Like, this is your capital F family. We all kind of have lowercase f's, the families we are born into. This is like God's family story, is that if you say, why did Jesus get put on the cross? You could say, well, those people way back then were like not listening to him, and they, they killed an innocent man and like a mob kind of won the day, and those people are guilty for what happened. I would argue what, what we're taught by God's words, one way to look at it is that we did it. We are just like Joseph's brothers. Like the reason Jesus was born is because of us, because of of our sin. Like we did that. We are why the first Christmas happened. Is because our sin needed a rescue. And we could during this time just like be like this and just be like, oh man, I can't. I mean, I want to be happy that he's here, but I'm the reason he's here. And he's gonna die because and, and he died because of me. And and this is like so bad. And what Joseph says, and what the, the greater story of Scripture teaches us, is actually God sent his son beforehand to preserve life. So there is, a, like, it's true that Joseph's brothers are the reason why Joseph was pushed away from his father, and why Joseph lived a life that was, would have been seen as being an unfortunate life. Like, the, the brothers can say, like, we are the reason for that. But what Joseph is saying is, no, God is the reason for this. Like, God has been working through all of this to, to preserve your life. And what, what our story is, is that our sin drove Jesus from the right hand of the Father and brought him here as a baby. And, and he is here because of us. But we're told he's here because of the Father, And he volunteered for it to come and do the Father's will. So let's look at how Joseph keeps stepping towards his brothers, which hopefully, even this morning, where like a transaction is a potential shallow way that we can see coming here. But God, I think, is orchestrating deeper things, is because Jesus even calls us, like, I'm your brother. He, he, we are brothers and sisters. That's why we use that term as a church sometimes. We're brothers and sisters of Jesus. Verse six, for the famine, Joseph continues saying, for the famine has been in the land these two years and there are yet five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest. And God sent me, before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. Like that is the story of this. Joseph is telling his brothers this in Egypt, in a throne room, and this is also Christmas. Is it's like you sent him here and actually God, it, it was God ultimately who sent him here. Which shouldn't make us just be like, it it should make us marvel saying, why would he find us so worthy of that? Why would he find us so valuable of, of what he loves the most in this world being sent to us? So it was not you who sent me here, but God. He has made me a father to Pharaoh and Lord over all his house and ruler over all the land of Egypt, so, so we're taught here that it's, we're two years into the drought, it's been a seven, seven years into this thing um, of, of good, and then two years, and Joseph knows with absolute certainty, God told him what the timeline is gonna be, and Joseph knows like this is gonna be a 14-year thing, and everybody in Egypt is believing God through Joseph. And now the whole world is believing God through Joseph. And what I love is like these brothers aren't doubting anymore what God can do. These brothers were mocking the things of God. They were doubting that God would ever use their brother. And they're not doing that anymore. <laughs> they're not mocking the things of God. They're not mocking what God to do, can do through their brother Joseph makes it clear that even though their evil actions led to Joseph's demise, Joseph knows and he's pleading with them to know that God has orchestrated all of this to preserve life. Instead of punishing them, he's saving them. You could look at Christmas as God is punishing us. The king of the world has arrived on our doorstep. We are ruined or we can say, we are saved. The king of the world has arrived at our doorstep. And we can open the door to all of our skeletons. We can, we can open ourselves to the light of the world. And here we're told that Pharaoh, the most powerful one, has made Joseph lord of all his house and ruler over all the land. And this is the story of Christmas too. Jesus calls us brother and sister. We learn this in scripture, that our brother was sent ahead of us So that there could be a remnant preserved on earth to keep us alive. God is doing this. And the most powerful one, God himself, the father of the Trinity, has his son be the ruler over all the land, king of heaven and earth. So this story of what the brothers are experiencing, grace instead of punishment, God's freedom over man's revenge. This is how Jesus is moving towards each of us this morning. Look at verse 14. That's, this is their guys' response. Then he fell upon his brother Benjamin's neck and wept. And Benjamin wept upon his neck, and he kissed all his brothers and wept upon them. After that, his brothers talked with him. These are all farmers. These are all grown men Men who work outside, blue-collar guys, grizzled agricultural guys. Joseph has soft hands, <laughs> has been in a palace uh, for a long time. And, but these guys coming around God, they're caught up in God's redemption. They're caught up in God not wanting just transactions to pass, but he's actually wanting to reconcile their family. They're moving towards each other. W- when you like fall upon someone and you're like neck to neck, two dudes, neck to neck, leaning on each other, weeping, uh, that's, that's guys not like holding back. Those are guys that you can tell the whole weight of their lives are falling on each other. They're, they're holding each other up. All of the broken dreams, all of the shame that these guys have been carrying they get real with each other they fall on each other weeping and man i our culture a lot of times applauds kind of a country music christianity type thing which uh, i know there's good country music christianity type like lyrics and stuff but it can almost be like a one foot in one foot out like like Go to church, talk about Jesus, but man, don't, don't like be all in, kind of have a foot out too in the world and, and just kind of straddle and, and don't, don't commit to, don't be too religious. Um, what I love is that these guys are just all in, that God has orchestrated this, all in responding to God actually bringing peace in a family that for decades has only known war or shame or cover up distance they weep and then i love that it ends by saying after this his brothers talked with him they had a lot of catching up to do do you have kids are you married what's what's the how are how's the stuff at the farm like you know they've got 20 plus years of missed life and so they talk they catch up they connect and it had to feel so freeing for them. And uh, this is the story of Christmas. Like we are this story. And this is the story of so many in this room where God has met us where we maybe just wanted him to just give us a shot of feeling good in the arm. And he's actually wanting to like go into our past and free us from the weight of so much shame or free us from, from things that we wish we would have done or wish we wouldn't have done. And, and he's wanting to go into those places because he's wanting to heal us. Like letting the full weight of our lives fall on the neck of our brother, our Savior. Catching up with him and talking. And the rest of this chapter is how Pharaoh hears about what's happening. Pharaoh hears about this, and he offers them to come and live in his, the best agricultural place. They're still in a drought, but the Nile River and irrigation stuff is allowing there to be certain like, kind of like counties that would be like really good counties for farming. And Pharaoh's like, you can have the best counties around and just move in there. Jacob hears for the first time in decades that his son Joseph is alive and in this, the second part of Genesis 45, there's so much Christmas in this, too. Like, Joseph will say it in the last chapter of the book of Genesis. In chapter 50, we'll get to it. But Joseph says, what man meant for evil, God has meant for good. Amen. Yeah. yeah. And that, that is Christmas. It really is. I mean, and that's the heart of Jesus. And if you're just getting to know Jesus, like, this is how he is is a lot of times where we're like, man, I know I, what I bring to this relationship is sin and evil and m- mixed emotions and shame and all this stuff and um, things I've done and things I should have done that I didn't do. And, um, and what we're met with is like, hey, that's why I'm here. Uh, I'm here for good. I'm here to free you, to, to actually take that weight off of you, to set you free And to to both forgive you and and to move in a way that forgiveness can move throughout an entire family. Imagine what life would be like if the brothers in that throne room are hearing them and they're like, "Ah, that's too good to be true. Mm. And they just go back home. And their family, I mean truly, if they went back home, their family would starve to death. You know, like, that's kind of what's happening in the throne room, is that actually they have the opportunity of life, and death is outside the throne room, and they're confronted with their with their life, <laughs> and it's like, you can throw the weight of your life on your brother's neck and weep, or you can go home without him and without that relationship, and it's going to be five more years with no rain, and... Um, And it could have just been, it could be feeling like this is too good to be true. It could be just too much pride, being like, well, I still think I was right. And Joseph shouldn't have said that to me 20 years ago. And so I'm just going to, even if you're wanting to reconcile, nope. Or like there could be all these responses that the brothers get. And what I love is, is all of them, all 12 of them are kissing each other, weeping, and are really finding peace. And God is the orchestrator of it. And that is exactly why we celebrate. That's why we give gifts to people, or, or at least why we ought to give gifts. It's like, this is a gift. What God is doing in my be- on, on our behalf with Jesus' arrival is the greatest gift I could ever receive on planet earth and has everlasting implications to either preserve life and have life or he loves me enough that he doesn't force my love, I can walk away and walk out of the throne room. And, uh, and you're like, whoa, this is serious. Well, <laughs> I think all of us would say our lives are serious. <laughs> life is serious uh, and there's beautiful things, kids um, singing and smiling and doing beautiful kid things And uh, Jesus came as a baby but didn't stay that way. Um, He is the everlasting one, the ancient of days, who's here to live in our place, to die the death that we deserved, to conquer death so that we can, can be in the throne room with him, bow our knee to him, fall on him with the full weight of our lives, and follow him to everlasting life. And he loves us enough that we can reject him. And what my prayer is this morning, Is that we would just not walk out of this throne room. This is a high school or an elementary school gym in one sense. We're we're on a gym floor. And what our prayer is every week is that God Himself would transform this into a sanctuary, a sacred place of His presence. We are family here, um, we are neighbors, we are friends, we are enemies. (laughs) And He invites us all to come. And to actually like be reconciled with him so that we can actually live at peace with each other as well, which is a, a beautiful message at Christmas time uh, and all time. So God, we just thank you that this is who you are. We thank you that you invite us to such like you love us too much to just be satisfied with us wanting food and you giving us a transactional relationship. You actually want to go into each of our past, present, and secure our future. You want there to be healing, generational healing. Um, Sin has caused brokenness that has touched each of us and affected each of our relationships. First and foremost, being our relationship with you. And Lord, I do pray that... um, would you just flood this room with your presence? Those who um, maybe came just to, came to watch someone that they love dearly, um, Lord, would you maybe even be whispering in their ear or maybe shouting to their soul that they're here for you? And you're doing a rescue of their soul and you're doing a rescue of their family's Peace because you love them and you're not letting them go. And Lord, we're all here looking to you right now. Would you change us? Make us more like you, bring us close to you. Jesus, would your light, you are the light of the world. Would you shine in our hearts, minds, our souls, our families, our relationships? Would you shine in the most dark places? Lord, you are worthy of that, and I know you are after our joy, and, uh, and what, what, what a gift to you this time of the year would be the full weight of our lives. Jesus, we pray. Amen. A way that Jesus gave us to tangibly, it's like, well, what do I do now? There's a lot of things we could do. We want to come around each other, pray for each other, support each other. Uh, walk this life together. We have a lot of ways in the church that we that we weekly seek to to lock arms and walk this life together. Um, and one thing that he has given us to tangibly commune with him is communion. Um, it was his idea, Jesus's idea. Says, as often as you do this, I, I I'm going to meet with you. Um, there will be a sense that we do this one day in heaven with him. But he says, until then, do this as family and I'll lead us through this, but as we come to the table, this is a table for those who have given their life to Jesus. If you're Presbyterian, Methodist, Lutheran, if you have given your life to Jesus as your savior, this is your table to commune with him. If you have not given your life to Jesus, I would encourage you instead of coming to this, which I don't think will mean a lot to you, um, I would just encourage you just to go to him in prayer. And if you're like, well, I'm not the praying type, maybe the prayer could just be like, if you're real, I'm listening. Or I don't know if you're real, I think I would like to listen. <laughs> or show me. We, we've had people in our church that were like, just started praying, just show me if this is real. And, uh, and God showed that it was real. Um, and so maybe that's what, what would be the appropriate response. But, uh, um, but let's just respond by moving towards him and and if jesus is your savior um the way we do it here is we spend a few moments the myers our friends are going to service communion is that we'll just come down the center aisle and uh, what i would encourage too with kids is um is for that probably not to be an automatic thing with the kids like like definitely ensuring that the kids have given their lives to jesus I i think probably like we a lot of times don't have our youngest kids in here let, let you parents discern whether or not they, they would take communion today. Um, but we come down the center, hold out your hands, the Myers will serve you the bread, take wine or juice, obey your conscience, and we'll come back and just take it together as family, remain standing, uh, then I'll lead us there. Um, if you'd like to talk or pray, me and others will be around and would love that opportunity as well. So let's come to him.